0: Well, we're certainly very um, happy to be back um, in the United States. Um, we thank you uh, so much for all your prayers uh, uh, for us, especially for par- for uh, Pastor Barcelos, while we were in uh, Bogota, Colombia, Chinauta. And um, let me tell you, I know better than he does how great the blessing was because um while he is uh, spending a good deal of his time with uh, uh, Francisco Orozco, because he speaks English and he's his translator and they're the best of friends, wonderful. You could almost be envious of their relationship. But not I, because uh, I spent my time with the Colombianos and I can interview them and I can find out uh, how he's doing. And he was doing always very, very well indeed. And he left, uh, by God's grace, a wonderful blessing uh, concerning biblical ethics and the blessing of the Sabbath, the, the one day in seven, that uh, is made for man and made for our enjoyment and for the glory of God. So very, very thankful um, uh, to have the privilege of... Um, going other places, glad to go, and always glad to come home. So, praise God. Um, What I have is uh, another message along the lines of of what Pastor Ted has uh, been bringing us. It might be placed under the the heading of respectable sins. Uh, Although no sin is respectable, we know what's meant by the title of that book. Um, Those sins which are tolerated and sometimes overlooked and sometimes not counted as any serious matter. Uh, his mini-series was on complaining, and uh, I thought it was wonderful, because uh, it's, it's a tendency that we have that's based upon our misjudging things. We misjudge what we deserve. We misjudge the providence of God. And so we complain we, we question, uh, there's a spirit within us, a disagreeable spirit, whether we say it out loud or not, or whether we just carry ourselves that way. And yet, if we do all things without grumbling and complaining, there's such a great benefit. Just one passage says, we'll prove ourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God, ab- above reproach in the midst of a crooked And perverse generation. What a positive thing! And then my message also links to what I believe his future messages will be on humility. We're going to have a series on that, and uh, and that again focuses on misjudgment. We think too highly of ourselves. We think too little of God. We, we, we depreciate the value of others. That's, that's a tendency within us. Oh, it's not respectable at all. It's a terrible sin, pride. God is a, opposed to the proud. Ah, but there's the wonderful promise again. He gives grace to the humble. Well, I have a similar passage that um, is a surprising one found in uh, Proverbs 11 and verse 1. Just a single text of Scripture that I'd like to open up to you. And I hope that we'll be blessed by it. And and we'll see here, too, that uh, there is a sin, and yet there is an um, implicit promise as well. Proverbs 11 and verse 1. Just two lines in your Bible. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. But a just weight is His delight. Let us observe then um, in the uh, first place uh, a a surprising interest that God has. We are surprised by this perhaps a little bit. God has an interest in the balance, in the scale, in, in the manner of measurement and analysis he he cares about such things and he speaks of two different kinds there is a false one and there is a just weight there is a righteous one there's a good one the false balance is a balance that lies you take it out of that nice metal case that's velvet lined and it's solid gold and you set it up and it looks really, really good. And it, it's just right. It's the latest model. It's got the nice logo on it. But there's something wrong with it. You can't see it. But it is a false balance, and the person that got it out of the velvet-lined case knows that there's something wrong with it. But on the other hand, there is a just weight. There is, there is the object, and there is the scale... There is the container, there is the basket, there is the hen, there is the ephah. That's exactly the right size. It's not been changed in any way, and it's a standard measure. It's true. But you see, God, knowing the tendency of the human heart, He has to forbid the use of a false balance because we are by nature cheaters. We are by nature Wanting to take advantage of others. When we're saved, we don't want anything to do with that anymore. But by nature, so he says um, in Leviticus 13:36, you shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, a just hin. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Do what I say, don't do the tendency of your heart. Deuteronomy 25:13 says you shall not have in your bag two kinds of weights, a large and a small. You shall not have in your house two kinds of measures, a large and a small. A full and fair weight you shall have, a full and fair measure you shall have, that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. For all who don't do such things all who act dishonest, dishonestly are an abomination to the Lord your God. He, he even forbade having two different measures in your house, just in case uh, a guy that you don't like so much or, or a guy that you know is a cheater. Well, you've got a, you've got a different measure for him than you have for the honest and good person, your friend. No, no, he says... Uh, Don't do that. You must not do that. But what is the, in the second place then, what is the surprising evaluation? It's right in the text. The surprising evaluation, I think it's somewhat surprising. He doesn't say a false balance is really a no-no. A false balance is just not good. A false balance is not helpful. It's not it's not a good thing. No, what does he say it is? A false balance is an abomination. Doesn't that surprise you? To have an unjust scale is an abomination. Wow, wow, that's not, that's not according to our scale. That's not, that, that's not how we evaluate. We think homosexuality is an abomination. It's way, way up here. It's, it's horrific. It's perversion. It is. It is. But you know, right next to it, in the category of abominations, is idolatry. It's bestiality. Oh, yes, yes. It's offering human sacrifices. But so is an unjust balance. And so is everyone who is proud of heart. It is an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 16.5 says, Everyone who is proud of heart is an abomination to the Lord. He will not be unpunished. The sacrifice of the wicked. The sacrifice, it's happening right now. Not only in Roman Catholic churches, in liberal Protestant churches. They're going dressed very nicely. Would they wear a short-sleeved shirt in the pulpit? I don't know. But they're dressed very nicely. And they're pretending to worship God. They're doing their own thing. They've got their man-made religion Is that a big deal? The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. Look at that. That's what he wants. A prayer from an upright person, even if they're not in a church building, even if they're not well-dressed, even if they're not prosperous. Whatever a prayer of that upright man. Well... What is the, the uh, two-pronged application, then, if I, can put the, if I can put some applications right in the middle? Well, the first application, then, letter A, is that in all of our business dealings, obviously, we've got to be fair. We've got to be honest. Whether we're selling something on eBay, whether we are filling out our tax forms, whether we are selling a used household item, whether uh, we are describing something that we want to sell. Proverbs 20:14 says, here's what some people do. They say, they're, uh, when they're buying a car, they say, bad, bad, says the buyer. But when he goes away, then he boasts. You can so depreciate something that's, that's negotiable. Regatear. Is, is the word in Spanish, and 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 a lot of neg- a, a lot of negotiations go on, but you can so diminish it that you that that you actually steal from the seller. You make him feel so bad about what he's selling, but then you leave and you boast about that. Well, that's 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 a horrific sin. It's an abomination to have that kind of an unjust balance. Charles Bridges says. Uh, Speaking of the unjust balance, he says double dealings, the hard bargain struck with self-complacent shrewdness. Our oh, world is full of people like that, full of liars, full of misrepresentations and cheaters. We'll, we'll have no part of that. That's the business side of it. See, see for us, and I say this by way of, of consolation. We never leave God out of the equation when you have a negotiable kind of situation, and, and, and you're like, "Wow, I think I paid too much," Or, "Oh, I sold it for too low a price." Or, "This tax law is just unjust. It's just not right." Or, "I want to make a contribution uh, to something. Um, but I'm not going to get the tax deduction for it. It's just too much trouble. I'd just rather give the cash. In all of those things, don't leave God out of the equation. Don't forget that He will repay. Don't forget that you can't outgive Him. Don't forget that He can make up for everything, for every way that, that you've been wronged. Be glad for that. Look for it. See if you don't find it. See if God doesn't keep you and bless you and prosper you in spite of whatever losses, in spite of what you give away, if you thought you did too much or or you got cheated in some way. God, God is on his throne. God blesses. God does wonderful things. Well, what is um, the spiritual application? And this is really where my heart is because I, I think we're all squared away in business dealings and in how we respond to our government. Even though we, we, we may not like things, we still do what is right. We don't sneak around. We don't falsify documents. That's not what we're trying to do. It, but it, it's the spiritual side of it which, which, which I want to get to. This is the balance in which we evaluate each other the scale that we put our brothers and sisters and deacons and pastors and children on, that balance, that spiritual balance in which the default setting, search your heart, how frequent I I rebuke myself I have to fight against this myself. I'm not different from you. How often is the default setting in evaluating the behavior, the conduct, the possessions, the way somebody spends their time, what you see them doing, what they say, how many times is the default setting something negative? We say, we, we say whatever it is, it's bad. It can't be good. Or if the first thing that comes to our mind is something is wrong with my brother or sister. They've done wrong. They've compromised somewhere. They shouldn't have that. They shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have said that. They shouldn't have gone there. They, sh- they should not be the way they are, in my estimation. Wow. What an unjust balance we have. What pride is within us that causes us to do that? To depreciate, to misjudge, to undervalue our brother and sister. Do we really know? Do we really have all the facts? I'm not saying that you can never draw a, a conclusion. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this quick negative depreciating, counterproductive, bad analysis that seems to automatically come. It comes more easily, far more easily than something positive, something that's right. Something. Have you no biases? Have you no prejudices? Have you no experiences that, that, that color unduly the way you analyze something, the way you evaluate something. Don't you have something like that? Are you ever ruled by what your preference is, by your opinion? Aren't we just full of ourselves? Aren't we just so sure that we've got a beat on this? We've got a high-powered scope, and sadly, we have a bullet in the chamber. May God help us. Spurgeon says, this is, this is a really compelling quote. I really, really like it. He says, those scales in which we weigh our own and other men's characters, are they quite accurate? Do we not turn our own ounces of goodness into pounds and other people's pounds of excellence into ounces? See to just weights and measures here, Christian. That's what Spurgeon says. How often, how often, dear brother and sister, how often have we been wrong? How often have we had to say, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Wow, what was I thinking? How many times has that happened to you? Then why don't you stop the first-hand default negative analysis if you have been corrected over and over again? Why can I say this like this? Why do I have such passion about it? Because it's in me. I know so many times I have been wrong. So many times I have not had enough information, so many times i didn't know what was really going on. i didn't know it, and yet I formed an opinion unnecessarily in a negative direction. I loathe myself for that. I want to fight against that, but so how many more times will you have to be wrong before you say hey I, i'm really i'm really not a good judge of 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 these questionable matters. I really need to reserve judgment. This week I was uh, reading, uh, according to Pastor Ted's Bible reading schedule, which I have read for almost my entire Christian life. I, I don't say that to brag. I just say that you can do it too. This weakling does it. I read through the Bible every year. The whole Bible, Proverbs 12 times, and as many times through the Psalms as I can do it. This weakling does it. You can do it and be blessed. Well, this week, 1 1 Samuel 16:7 says, uh, in the context of speaking to to, uh, Samuel about the about the first about the next king after Saul, he says, uh, "Do not look at his appearance." This is the word of the Lord coming through, coming to Samuel. Do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as a man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. All we can do is look at the outward appearance appearance. All we know is what is what is audible and visible. I'm not saying that we don't get some indications of what is in the heart because the mouth speaks of that which fills the heart. But it's not infallible. But God is infallible. We lack the faculty of seeing what's really in somebody's heart. And we are often mistaken about their intention, about their motive or why they said so. And if we thought about it a little bit more, we could say, I could see how you might think that. Yeah, that, yeah I guess so. I'm so full of myself. I, 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 I couldn't get to somebody else's thought. But we lack this. We, we have the tendency, the overall tendency to judge things by how they appear and how they sound. But we lack the ability to really see the heart. And and therefore, we should reserve judgment. We should restrain ourselves. We should think harder and more deeply. Because look at what the surprising delight in the passage is. It's just the second half of it. But a just weight is His delight. He's delighted. It makes God happy. He rejoices to see people dealing fairly and righteously, and even even reserving judgment, and placing a positive construction. Work on that. Think of something positive about something negative that you think of somebody else. Think that maybe their trials are greater. They've got deeper problems, and that's why they did such a thing. And think redemptively. How can I help them? How can I pray for them? How can I bless them? Don't be the critic. Be the just balance and say, I'm in need of such mercy. I'm an object of mercy. That's all I have. That's all I that, that I'm not even worthy of it, but it's all I get It's mercy. Mercy all the way. That's what I have. Make me to be a merciful, merciful evaluator of others. I, unless I'm compelled with, with the preponderance of evidence that I must think negatively, or must place a negative construction. I will not do it. There's no need for it. This guiding rule in Matthew 7:12. So whatever you wish that others would do for you, do also for them. For this is the law and the prophets. Would you want someone to speak badly of you? Would you want someone to be critical of you? Would you want someone to place a negative construction on something that, that, that you have done? then don't do it. Don't do it to others. Don't be the fountain of that. Don't be the source of that. I remember, uh, I, I uh, really like what Ted Tripp said one time. Pastor Ted, Ted Tripp, he's on our board of MCTS. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. And sometimes, um, Re- Reformed Baptists, not us. I'm, I'm, I, I don't think I don't think we're guilty of this. I don't think our eldership is. But, Sometimes we so depreciate those who don't agree with our doctrine. We think that the Pentecostals, uh, for example, there's nothing good to say about them because uh, um, they don't believe in the Sabbath or they believe in uh, continuationism or they, they speak in tongues or what they think are tongues. And all oh, the Pentecostals, what, what can they be worth? Ted Tripp will tell you, because he travels the world, that the face of evangelical Christianity in the world is Pentecostal. What do they have that we have not sufficiently shown? They have a zeal, an unquenchable zeal to spread the gospel all over the earth. And they got there Before we did. So when we go to Colombia, or we go to La Republica Dominicana, or we go to Haiti, we find that the lion's share of the pastors are evangelical Pentecostals, whose hearts are open to whatever you can show them in this book. Pastor Marcellus spoke to two thirds Pentecostal pastors in Colombia, that are embracing the doctrines of grace, they're in the way of reformation. But we admire the Pentecostals. We we, we we don't have a just balance if we say they don't have it. They they just don't have it. Ted Tripp says, Does Does right doctrine necessarily make a better or holier man? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. It's, it's, uh, it's what is in their hearts. It's, it's, uh, how, how they live. Well, that is the, uh, that, that is a better look at a just balance. And so in, 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 in our marriages, I'll just speak to the men. In our marriages, when we're evaluating The way our wife is and why she's doing something, why she says something. Wow. Let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Let's find fault with ourselves. Let's say we don't understand our wives. Don't have to. Just live with her in an understanding way. Many times when it's neither here nor there, do it her way. Let her paint the bathroom red. I did this. I'd rather have chocolate brown. I made a statement about it. She'll say, uh, I never heard you say that. It's fine red. It's beautiful. It's a deep red. It's not quite brown, but it's red. But it's, it's, all, it's lovely. It doesn't matter to me what color the wall is. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. So, ooh, she's in the overflow room. I'm really in trouble now. <laughs> but anyway, let us um, Let me give you an application, though, know, uh, for your own life. I've, I've only got three applications and, 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 and we will be done by a quarter till, I hope. What do you do then? What do you do, dear brother or sister, when you are the object of that criticism, when you have been misjudged? And you want to defend yourself, and, and sometimes you should. Other times, um, you should just let it go. It, it, it's unseemly to defend yourself. What should you do? Well, you should realize, you should realize that you have been called for this purpose. We're going to be misjudged. People at work are going to speak against you. When someone says something nice about you, someone else is going to say something really bad about you. There's going to be plenty of gossip, plenty of blind ambition, plenty of self-service. Everybody wants to get ahead and have to, and have to step over you. They'll step over you. They'll, they'll crush you. They'll, 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 they'll do as they please. But you have been called for this purpose. First uh, Peter 2, 21 through 23. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving An example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting his soul to him who judges righteously when you find yourself in that absurd situation, when you're being talked against, spoken against, when, when you're there and you're being maligned and misrepresented, when it's not fair and it's not right and you can't do anything about it, go to the cross. Look at the absurdity on the cross. Look at the one who's condemned, who never sinned, who always did what was right, full of goodness full of kindness, the exact representation of a Father, nailed to the cross. Go and sit there. Sit there and, and find peace for your soul. Say, I feel the warm drops of blood splash upon you. Say, I, this is okay. I'll do what you did. I'll entrust my soul to the one who judges righteously. It works. It will work in every single case when it's so wrong. You've got to go to the cross and you've got to see the one who suffered there for you. The other application comes to uh, those who are unconverted. Your greatest sin in this context, your greatest sin You have an unjust balance. Christ came all the way down from heaven. Approved of God. The beautiful Son of God. Came all the way down here where we are. And you don't care. You don't think He's worth anything. You prefer everything else. I beg of you. You must come to Christ. There's a Spanish word. Got to have a little Spanish all the time. Despreciar. Menospreciar. That means to undervalue, to devalue, to find something worthless, to depreciate. That's what the whole world does with him. Oh, we can't have it that way. You've got ask God, God, give me the proper... Evaluation of your Son. You're sitting here in the midst of all these witnesses, of all these people. No matter how we live, no matter how we stumble, we say He is the most precious. He's our treasure. All the treasures of wisdom are hidden in Him. Everything of worth. The whole universe revolves around Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Everything else is going to go down. It shambles. You've got to have a proper evaluation. You've got to say. You've got to find out that the whole world on one side of the scale, the whole universe on one side of the scale, it goes up. Christ is deeper than it all. He's the only thing that lives forever. He's at the right hand of God right now. you just got to say to yourself, I've got to have Him. I've got to have Christ. I cannot go last application real short Proverbs 16:11 right in the same passage says a just balance and scales are the Lord's all the weights in the bag are his concern we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may be recompensed for the deeds done in his body. And you will face a judge who is perfectly just. He he has the just balance. Really, he's the only one who has it. Nobody else has it. We want to approximate it. We want to get closer and closer. We want to make progress. But his is perfect. And He will evaluate all of us based on perfect justice. A record of your life that is complete with every detail, every motive, every secret sin. The whole life of independent living apart from God. You'll be evaluated in that day. Don't go there. Don't go there without Jesus. You can have Him now. If there's something going on in your heart right now, this may be all you ever feel. Some inclination to come to Christ. Right now, there's just something. Why just call upon Him right now? Call upon the Savior and be saved. Don't don't devalue Him. Don't don't say, uh, I've got other things, things that are more important than Christ. Nothing is. Nothing is. May God, the Holy Spirit, convince you of this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for our Savior. We thank You for all Your patience with us in Him. We confess all of our sins, all of this injustice that has been in our hearts, all this negative evaluation, this critical spirit that's within us. Oh, we want to be like You. We want to, to love our brothers and sisters as we love ourselves. We want to do right for you. Please help us make this church more and more. We thank you so much for what we already have. but We want to be more loving, more caring, more redemptive, more patient with one another, more merciful because we've received mercy. And bless these dear ones who, who undervalue Christ who think other things are more valuable than He is. The world, its pleasures, its possessions, its power, these things are nothing. They're altogether nothing, O God. Show them this. Bless everyone here with a vision of that Savior who is altogether just and merciful. We pray this in His name. Amen. Let's sing from our song sheet. The one I survey was in the last two verses that speak to us of Christ.